Hello, and welcome into episode 64 of the Stomp the Bus show. I am your host, Mark Harris, coming at you with Colton Dodgson, whose camera has betrayed him this uh, Thanksgiving week. So that's one thing he won't be thankful for tomorrow. But uh, yeah, just got a, got a few things to talk about as we head into the Territorial Cup, uh, starting with ASU's recent loss to Oregon. Saw very little of because I was in Austin for a friend's wedding, doing all sorts of other things, and uh, I saw the final score, and that was pretty much all you needed to see. So, Colton, you were actually at the game. Uh, yes. What is your kind of general takeaway from the game against Oregon? Um, it, it was exactly what you should have expected. <laughs> like there yeah. was no scenario where this team was going to beat Oregon. Um, or really even look competitive against Oregon. I mean, um, I I was shocked. It, it's it's crazy how often, and this is just a state of where this team is at due to injuries and and um, lackluster quarterback play and, and all these other things. It's and I mean Dillingham is doing what he's doing kind of out of necessity, and that's running the the number of like gadget plays, scattered quarterback that sort of thing right. um, to try to stay competitive. And when that has to be like that element of surprise and trickeration or, or whatever you want to call it has to be a staple of your offensive game plan because you just don't have the firepower. Um, it's not going to bode well against a team as talented as Oregon, um, um, who is likely, depending on what happens in the Civil War, um, haven't gotten word from from Connor Pelton about whether or not he'll be grounded for this one or not. Um, <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Um, I'll, I'll reach out and figure it out. But um, oh, anyway, great, depending on what, what happens. Great reference. Story, yeah, that was, that's my all time favorite Pelton Inside story. Joe right but um, yeah, depending on what happens in that game, Oregon could very well be headed to the playoff in the Oregon or Washington, depending on what happens in the Pac-12 championship, right. uh, assuming that they both get there. So, I mean, all of that to say, this it, it it was the only game I've been at this season, and I picked a very weird game to go to. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, it was fun. We had the over, so thirty five points in the first quarter was was nice. Um, you mean the first half? Incredible. Uh, they maybe it wasn't first quarter. Maybe it was like twenty one or twenty eight in the first quarter, but, but right. Oregon was scoring like crazy. Um, ton of Oregon fans there. That, that was makes another sense. takeaway. It was like eighty percent Oregon fans at that game. Um, yeah, the I'm pretty sure Justin Herbert's brother caught both two touchdowns in the game. Bo Nix would left the game maybe in the third quarter just because it wasn't competitive. Um, which you know, there's the outliers like the Washington games, but the talent disparity between the top of the Pac-12 and where ASU is right now is just um, not competitive. So I, I it, this is kind of like the Utah game a little bit for me. There's really nothing to break down here. Right. Um, there's nothing to to even go in depth with. Um, it's watching Scadaboo is incredibly fun. Um, if he somehow comes back next year, I, I hope we get to watch him again. Um, but who knows? I think, no, he's in, no, I think he, he will most likely come back. So, but I mean like transfers or whatever. Yeah. Right. You I know, get true. I know what's going to happen, but, um, I mean, another year of watching Scadabo would be fun. Um, 
But yeah, that's kind of all I all I took from it was watching Scadaboo was fun, and Oregon is very good. Um, yeah. And I I hope we get the Oregon Washington rematch because um, you know Oregon is a missed field goal away from probably being in the playoff as it stands today. Right. Um, in that Oregon Washington game, so yeah, long winded way of saying they're really good. We're really not. Absolutely no, yeah. I mean, the only thing that like, because weren't there some like uh, like shorter passes that went a long ways in this game, um, like screens? Yeah, there was some like a tight end screen. I remember went for a touchdown. Um, we we definitely had some fun before the game and during the game. So. Uh, in a game like that, that is not very competitive, you resort to um, other activities to kind of enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I wasn't watching very closely, but again, it's the same thing with the, I mean, ASU was in a position to score a touchdown early and make it 7-7, which who knows if that changes the complexion of the game. I doubtful, right? But, yeah, doubtful. It just would have um, made the score more respectable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. The, that over would have floated a little earlier. But um <laughs> yeah, man, I you know, I, I put this in the category of the Utah game. I don't know what time of possession was, but anytime you're I mean, scoring yeah. three points, your defense is probably on the field for 65-70% of the game, which if that's the case, I mean, you, it, it's it's uh, very similar to everything I said about, about the Utah game. This is a good defense that was probably just a little um, downtrodden. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the point? Maybe human human nature starting to kick in a little bit and extremely gassed. You know, Oregon is a fast team. Bo Nix is, is surgical. Um, so, I mean, when, when he's able to throw into those high percentage windows and and the scheme is is doing what it's doing to you. That's pretty demoralizing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Again, I put it in that YouTube, uh, the Utah tier of like just kind of a throwaway, um, not an excuse by, by any means, right? But it's just a state of where this team is. It's just the reality of the situation. Like you can't expect your defense to play well when your offense isn't doing anything. Um, you totally. have to be. You have to play complementary football. And if you don't, you're going to get scores like you got um on saturday so totally and dillian basically said after the game like yeah we're just not as good as this team <laughs> which is so it's it's refreshing right. to hear that from a coach honestly like and it's easy to say that right. you're one, but i mean it's, it's just again it's yeah. the reality of the situation um and i'm sure a little bit of that like you know if if just speaking from like my personal maybe this is why i never made it to the level of college football because i think this way but you know, if I'm going through my week of prep to play at Oregon, I'm probably not like shock the world. I'm probably like, like yeah, we're probably we're gonna get slapped around <laughs> more than likely. Um, but again, that mentality is why I didn't play D1, and that's the only reason. Yes, it was. It was only yeah, correct. Yeah, of course. That, that um, was it. That was it. <laughs> Couldn't have been anything else. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, but like the reason I brought up the like, oh, they let some shorter passes go long is that's like that's really the only thing that you could have been like, oh, ASU should have done this better. It, it, it like tackled better, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage or whatever. But the reason like the reason you bring that up is because there isn't really anything else. like they were just we're just way better than ASU. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah anytime. I, that's a good point because I'm almost certain I recall a tight end screen going for like 35 yards. And anytime a tight end is gashing you for 35 yeah. yards on a tight end screen, um, that's that's not great. <laughs> so, yeah, there was some of that. But, again, they're just so much better than ASU. So that's to be expected. Totally, totally. Uh, yeah, and, like, this is what I tweeted out from the Stomp the Bus uh, account at Stomp the Bus Pod on Twitter. You can be the 26th Twitter follower. Uh, I just tweeted out, talent gap is too wide for ASU to compete in this game. Not worth getting worked up about. Makes the win over UCLA last weekend even more impressive. And, you know, I stand by all that because... They had to resort to gimmicky stuff against UCLA. UCLA just isn't as yeah. complete of a team as Oregon. And so through the element of surprise and through a fantastic defensive game, they were able to win that game. And so, like, this is why we talked about, you know, the, the Cal and Colorado games when ASU lost those games. It's like those were opportunities to win, and you didn't know when you were going to get them again. And as this season has shown out, we, we were kind of right to think that. Uh, we didn't know Wazoo was going to fall off as much, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a huge talent gap. You know, Dillingham knows what it what it looks like too, and that's good to see as an ASU fan. And then another thought I had, you know, in between this game and uh, us recording, is ASU is never going to play a team as good as Oregon in the Big Twelve. Just they're not. You know, no other team in the in the big in the Big Twelve that ASU is joining recruits like Oregon does, uh, just has the overall like program strength as Oregon does. You know, people can say Utah, like cool. Utah's had you, no Utah team of the last two years is as good as this Oregon team, you know, or as good as the Mariota Oregon teams, or even the, or the Chip Kelly team, you know, like right. There's and so like that is a little bit refreshing. Um, because I mean, honestly, the only time if you're ASU, you'll play a team like that in, you know, being in the big 12 is either in the non-conference, which I don't have the ASU's non-conference in front of me, but I don't think, I know they put Mississippi state in the non-con the next two years. So that, you know, that won't be the case with them or in the playoff. And if you get to the playoff and get blown out, like sign me up, <laughs> you know, like I'll take that. Yeah. So, uh, it's ASU will probably never be this bad under Dillingham and they will never play a team like Oregon in the regular season, or at least in the conference play of regular season. So that's yeah, definitely you're going through it, it, This is probably the best year of the PAC 12. Would you say that like we've, I, I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't want to make like a hyperball. The 2014 story. season was a really good year for the Pac-12. That's when Oregon played in the national championship game. Oh, yeah. If okay. you look through, uh, if you like look through the, um, like all the ranked teams in the Pac-12, ASU was ranked at that season. U of A was ranked. UCLA was ranked. Utah was ranked. I think, I think there might have been another team that was ranked too. So that was, that was the last year where the Pac-12 was this good. But that was our freshman year of college. So it makes sense you, why right. you would keep that up. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like when else it was this good. But either either way, this is one of the best seasons the Pac-12 has had, maybe yeah. ever. Right? And arguably like, the best too. Like it could, yeah. Yeah. 
And it's this is I mean for quarterback play, definitely. Like oh, yeah. when was oh, the yeah. last time you had what is it, three or four of the top seven guys in the country in the same conference? But right. um either way, you know Well, they probably have two Heisman contender, two guys that will end up right. in New York from this conference. And that's not even including Caleb Williams. Yeah. Yeah, possible number one pick. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and uh, the kid from U of A has played really well too. Fafita, yeah. Um, um, Cam Ward again. He yep. had a good start to the year. Shador Sanders. Right. Um, and then, yeah. Cam Rising yes. is barely even hasn't played this year. Right. Right. So anyway, all of that to say, you're absolutely right. They will never have, have the gauntlet that they had this year in the Big Twelve, which bodes well for you know where we could go from here in terms of wins and losses. Uh, um, and I also wonder, you know, the, the, there hasn't been much made of the bowl ban, right? I remember Ralph saying that, like, all of these games were exhibition games, and he's absolutely right. Um, I'm, I just wonder, like, how much does that affect the players, right? When you're going through this, this season, yeah. it's like, you know, lose by 50 to Utah, lose by 50 to Oregon, and you're not really playing for anything. Once you get a couple wins, it's like we've kind of reached our ceiling. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I wonder how much of that comes into play, and and what impact being able to play for a bowl does next season when they're able to make a bowl game. Totally. Um, well, especially in games where you're just totally outgunned. You know, yeah. like Oregon, like like the instant that Borgay left against Utah and Conover came in, that that you were outgunned at that very second, like. Yeah. So, it was yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this team with a Big 12 schedule. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, I don't think next year, maybe next year we're looking at, they make a push for bowl eligibility. If I think team. next year the expectation is to get to at least six and six and get to a bowl. I don't yeah, think that's. I agree. I don't think that is being unfair, especially after what you've seen this season. Like, yeah, that's, beating... that's asking for three additional wins. Yes, and yes, with exactly. A much weaker schedule. I think that is not outside. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation. No, it's it's not at all. Um. So yeah, yeah no. I, I I'm looking forward to that. I want to see the impact playing for a bowl makes. Hopefully, you know, we get a healthy Rashada back. Um, right. That would be cool. Well, and speaking of Rashada, um, it was reported this week, yesterday. This is Devil, devilsdigest.com. Quarterback Jaden Rashada is the first quarterback to run out in the team segment this morning. So, wow. Yeah. And it, it, if you do play him, it's not like it was hurt. It, w- it wouldn't affect his red shirt at all. Um, right. And you know what's crazy? To this day, Jaden Rashada is the is the team's touchdown pass leader. That's with like insane. three touchdowns. And he played in what two games? Two games. Or maybe it's four touchdowns. But I don't have it in front of me. I should probably pull that up. And he's one of what five guys to take a snap at quarterback this time? Uh well, he's four quarterbacks have taken all four of our quarterbacks have taken a snap. And, and then Conyers. And Scadaboo have taken snaps at quarterback too. So six guys have taken snaps at quarterback. Yep. Um, yeah, that's just, to 
to have a season like this and still win three games is like absurd. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just insane. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope Rashada sticks around. I hope we don't get another transfer from him. I don't know if we will. It doesn't seem like I don't. That's really something he might be interested in doing, given how everything yeah. went down last off season. Maybe that stability of like getting comfortable and and figuring things out. Uh, going into your sophomore season is more alluring than hitting the reset button. Um, and hopefully, you know, the pass catchers and the skill players are like, I want to see what this looks like with this guy under center. Hopefully he's instilled enough. The the Dillingham um, Rashada duo tandem has instilled enough confidence in guys to stick around. That's always my biggest fear now in this landscape is like, what is the transfer portal going to look like for this team? Are we just going to, is it going to be like, you know, teams picking over our, our carcass and we're left with like whatever, right. you know. So yeah. I don't know. I, I guess we'll see what what the team looks like after the transfer portal. Um I'm sure some guys will leave, but uh I, I think that'll be telling of what Dillingham was able to establish if he can retain key guys despite having the season that he had. Absolutely. And like it's always something to worry about, but when it when it comes to Rashada I, I understand the fear because like it's it is a well like earned fear uh, that he would leave. But like my whole thing is like why like he came to ASU knowing what like knowing he wasn't going to like a program, knowing that he was going to a program that was like in a rough spot, you know, right. and all that. So I just and also in, in terms of like the transfer portal, like. Look, with, you know. When Ray Anderson resigned last week, the Sun Dub, the Sun Angel Collective, like, was saying, "Oh yeah, we've got like, like it's been clear that like people, the people who said they were holding out until he left, decided to really <laughs> start pouring it in after." And the question is like, okay, like, is that enough? You know, I don't know, but maybe it's enough to keep like some of the key guys at least. Right, right. No, that's that's crazy. Um... I don't, I'm going to be honest, like, I, look, I I totally under, like, I'm not here to defend Ray Anderson or any of that, like, everything that people want to say about him is true, like, it's, my, the one thing that I didn't like is, if you are, and it's a moot point now because it's over, but, like, holding back NIL donations, it ultimately just hurts the kids, you know, so, I get it, it's your money, and if you don't trust the leadership, like, I get both sides of it, but, if you're a kid on the team, like if you're, you know, like it's going to, it's going to hurt you. So I, you know. Yeah. And on the topic of Ray Anderson, I, I know I wasn't on the last episode where you, you discussed it. Right. Um, now that the whole saga is over, you know, I, I do feel, I don't think he did a great job in the position. Um, but I do think he was like a decent guy. You know, yeah. I, I remember, I remember in, in school, senior year I was like looking into possibly switching to sports business um and trying to get a master's in sports business that was something I was looking into and I on a whim shot an email to Ray Anderson to see if he would like just give me any like guidance because I had no idea what I was doing um and he responded and offered to meet with me I didn't even ask him for a meeting I just asked if he had any advice reaches out offers to meet with me 
Um, and I went up to his office and him and I just talked for like, I want to say 30 minutes, 45 minutes, just one-on-one sitting there having a conversation. And like, you know, in this industry, reaching out to people in positions like that yeah. and, and even trying to get a response is sometimes pulling teeth, let alone a, a courteous gesture. Um, so despite the job that he did and despite what happened with Herm Edwards and everything else, um, and despite how it all ended, I, I do think that he was a good guy. Um, maybe he didn't do a great job in this position, but um, either way, I, you know, whatever he does, I, he's getting paid $2 million to teach Yeah, <laughs> at ASU. So he kind of made out there, but um, it's rare you find decent people um, on either side in sports admin, sports coaching, sports journalism. There's a lot of dicks in sports journalism too. A lot of egos. Um, yeah. So like yeah. for somebody to do what he did, it, it really stuck with me. And, you know, I, I do wish the best for him as a person. And I think he's, he's getting a lot of justified flack, but we do have to remember that these are like humans, you know what I'm of saying? Course. And obviously yeah. you and I have never gone overboard. Our criticism has always been just, um, and I don't think our criticism is breaching the masses in any capacity, but I also don't think we've ever said anything unfair. Um, but I, I do kind of feel bad when, you know, donations skyrocket the second a guy is yeah. you know, relieved. It, it's just, it's a bad situation all around. And you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, like it's, it's their money, um, but it does only hurt the kids and, um, you kind of feel bad for Ray Anderson, the person, not just Ray Anderson, the the athletic director. Right. And I think he just made one huge gamble Yeah, that in the moment people were questioning and it, it blew up in his face. Like there's no, and yeah, especially like the fact that it was his former client too. Like that's right. just. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There was a bit of a conflict of interest there. Definitely. Um, and not, it's not like his former client had like this long resume, right? No. Yeah, exactly. Herm, Herm was out of coaching for 20 years. Well, and he had, yeah, he had coached in college since like the late, for, it was like one year, it was like 1989 as a DBs coach for San Diego state. Like, yeah. so, it, it, so it was, it was a, it was a wild hire. Um, and, and just the new leadership model thing too. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I will say this at the beginning it seemed like they were headed in the right direction. And yep. I always go back to that, that 2020 season as like, what could that team have looked like if not for the pandemic? Right. We ask, we do the same thing with the basketball team from that year. That, that is team going to make the tournament. That team had just had, what did they do? They, they were set up for a, a first round buy in the PAC 12 tournament. They were well, like, I guess at least with the basketball team, I, the difference is you at least saw the whole regular season for the most part. Right. And so the 2020 football team is just completely hypothetical. Like there's no. So, Absolutely. But I, I will yeah. say that it was building. Like if we looked at Herm's first year versus where they were headed that year, you were getting Jaden Daniels in, I believe that was his third season, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were getting Jaden Daniels. No, no, his second season. Jaden was 19, 20, and 21 you're right, at ASU. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so his you were getting him in his second season. 
Um, I'm trying to think of who the skill players were on that team, but I'm pretty sure. Jaden Daniels' freshman year, they had Ayuk and Frank Darby and Eno Benjamin, I, I believe. Like, that's a good right, <laughs> skill right. group. They, yeah. they had a team. They had a solid roster, and it seemed like, you know, the, the coaching staff before all of the – the wild stuff went down. And if there's no pandemic, that stuff probably doesn't happen. Right. Right. So, so it is, yeah, so it is I think it's a very nuanced discussion because like yeah. the, the first two years, I, I, I just throw the pandemic year out in terms of what happened on the football field. Like obviously yeah. beating U of A 70 to seven was awesome. Like that was an awesome game, but right. I don't like, I don't hold it against Herm Edwards that he went two and two. Like who cares? And I defended him his first two years. Like, I defended him. Like, this is what ASU is. Like, they're building. But, like, the pandemic did happen, you know? And so, like, it's... it's, I just think it's it's important to contextualize, like, describing this as a colossal failure. You have to recognize that there were some variables outside of his control that did make this look way worse than it may have been had that not happened. So when you, when you think about it that way, it's like maybe the, the, maybe the product that was being developed at that point was going to look way better than it ultimately looked. I guess we'll never know. Obviously it's a complete hypothetical. It just seemed the natural progression, getting Jaden Daniels in his second year, having the roster that you had that year, um, you, you know, they went, they, they looked like that was going to be a good team. And then obviously they just never recovered from that. Um, so that's well, always, that's, that's like the big question mark for me is what does this look like? Had that not happened? And obviously it did. So that's, that's the discussion we have to have, but I think it makes it seem like, um, and this isn't like trying to stand up for Ray Anderson or anything like that. The dude's making millions. He's had a long career. He gets to just enjoy life now, you know, good for, good for him. Yeah, I'm sure this, maybe it impacts him a little bit, but you know, I, I don't think he needs a dude with on a podcast with 20 listeners defending him. I'm just saying like, um, it, I think it's important to contextualize the whole experience and recognize that his big colossal failure, because we do have to recognize it as a colossal failure, that big colossal failure maybe was derailed by something that was completely out of his control right yeah that's that's all that's the one thing that's always the big question mark for me when we talk about like his run as athletic director and then obviously sticking with with Tracy Smith for as long as he did for baseball um I mean going on air and saying we're not interested in NIL like yeah that was bad I know and and here's the thing like I'm sure that was like a a top-down decision from Michael Crow because Michael Crow has blood on his hands, you know, figuratively for the whole, everything that happened with the football program too. Okay. Like Michael Crow is his boss. Right. So you just, even like, you just have to word it differently. You know, you just have to just, even if it's like some word salad, it's better than saying, yeah, we're just not going to be a part of that, you know? Right. Especially like, when that's, that's not an option. You can't exactly, you cannot be competitive in this. Well, and they didn't, they didn't realize that though. And so, yeah, anyway. yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. And I think that was a huge gaffe. Um, but I think the writing at that point, the writing was kind of already on the wall. Like we, we knew yeah. where this was headed. It wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when, 
uh, we were in a, a post Ray Anderson era. Um, but I mean, made he did make the Hurley signing, right? That wasn't yeah. pretty. Yeah, no, he, gets, so, he gets credit for that, and he gets credit for everything with ASU men's hockey. Um, right. He brought bringing he back brought, men's tennis. One hundred percent. He brought uh, a D one hockey team to ASU. Helped with that, right? Uh, we kind of were we we had a front row seat to that whole thing with uh, uh, the the Cronkite angle there. <laughs> right. um, I mean, he wasn't the only one like to like he helped he helped help facilitate it get done. Absolutely, yes. it, it happened under his leadership. He didn't yep. like he didn't veto it immediately. He said, "If we can make it happen, we'll make it happen." And now ASU yep. has a D one hockey team and a a beautiful facility on campus and and all of those things. So, sure, football colossal failure baseball not great um but there was he did some some things well too so i think it's important to look at the entire the entire picture um and hopefully whoever comes in next can can uh can supplement what has already been happening with with the football team because i do think they're headed um in a positive direction i mean it's hard when you start this low <laughs> to really yeah. go much lower right um, but progress is progress at the end of the day. And I think, um, you know, they're, they're moving in a positive direction, hopefully. Yeah. Well, just to wrap up this little tangent on Ray Anderson, um, the one thing with like, I've had this conversation with some friends, like, oh, it could have gone like, right. If the pandemic didn't happen. Right. My, my thing is it did happen. Yeah. It literally affected everyone in the world. And secondly, like it, it affected, you know, these, it affected all of college football, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that, and also like I, the 2021 season in terms of Herm Edwards, like I know ASU went eight and four in the regular season. That was one of the most disappointing seasons I've ever seen. Like you're absolutely it, right. Yeah. Season, I don't, the season that Utah had that year is what I expected. Yes. ASU was going to have and it's clear, like they were clearly good enough to at least go like 10 and 2 you know so yeah, yeah. no I so, completely I, agree yeah. with that I I mean the Herm Edwards thing hit a brick wall um yeah. and and just the wheels came off and there was no coming back but there was a point probably the peak of the experience there was a point where it looked like hey this might not be a dude when they beat FSU in that Sun Bowl like three games yeah. that end the season, they had a good recruiting class. Like that, that like, it, like it is objectively true that at that point in time, the Herm Edwards era was on the upswing. You know, yeah, beat beat Michigan State in back to back years too, right? Right. That like there was some signature wins. Jaden Daniels is a Heisman front runner now. Well, I'm not saying. We, I don't see that's area. like yeah you get credit for bringing him in but no no, no that's not yeah. what I meant that's not what oh. I meant let me rephrase all I'm saying is like there was talent on the roster yes right yes. like you yes. had a guy like Jaden Daniels who is now a Heisman front runner right. none of that has to do with ASU I'm not saying that we get some credit for what Jaden Daniels became he's probably better because he left this place um but it is eye-opening when you look around and see all of the talent that was once on this roster. Um, and it just makes it so much more obvious that this team vastly underachieved in the Herm Edwards era. Yes. But you're right. That, that 2021 season was like, it, you couldn't defend it. Um, I think that was the, 
wasn't that the the BYU or the Utah game where the wheels came off in that Utah? Well, game? the BYU game where they didn't like they clearly just hadn't practiced for crowd noise. Right, right. And, and there was like twenty, like, there were like ten false start penalties. Yeah, and, yeah. And for a guy yeah, who used to coach at Arrowhead Stadium, like that's just inexcusable. Right. No, it was, and you practice in a bubble. Like, how hard is it? To, right. Right. How hard is it to pump some crowd noise into that bubble and make it like? Yeah. I feel like it would be easier to simulate that sort of environment at ASU, given what they have to practice in. And I'm sure there's a lot of indoor practice facilities, but yeah, um, just seems like I, I don't understand how you didn't prepare for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, let's move off this and uh, talk about the Territorial Cup. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't expect ASU to win this game. I, you know, I know I'm wearing an ASU hat right now, like, but U of A is playing really well. They're motivated. If, if Arizona wins this game, now I guess it depends on what happens in the Civil War, but uh, they have a chance. Like, if Oregon State beats Oregon, then Arizona will be playing for a shot to go to the Pac-12 championship game, which is... Crazy to say. Uh, yeah. ESPN bet. So it opened at Arizona minus 12 and a half. It has since dropped to Arizona minus 10 and a half, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I saw um, that. I saw that. It seems like a rat line. Like, it's way too obvious. You have to go U of A minus 10, uh, 10 and a half. But these rivalry games are, are weird sometimes, man. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's probably what we're seeing is a lot of like two teams that it's going to be super emotional. I mean, two teams that kind of went down to the wire last season have played yep. historically close games. Um, I, I think 10 and a half, once you factor everything in, U of A is coming here this year. Once you take all of that into account, um, it seems like it is where it needs to be. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if this was a little more low scoring. I think, We've seen ASU's defense and Brian Ward get that get that part of uh, get that unit to bounce back pretty quickly. Um, I mean, U of A has been a great team this year. It's two teams heading in complete opposite directions. But if there's any game to get up for, if there's any game that that Dillingham can can rally the troops for, I think it's got to be this one. Yep, I I saw a, new, a report that he was like showing them like old like just really getting his players educated on what the territorial cup is and like how long it's been around and like U of A trying to in like, I think it was 1959, like trying to not have ASU be like an actual university. Uh, so like there's like real venom in this rivalry. Uh, and you know, look, U of A is good. Like I'm not, they're a good team. Um, the only thing that I can like, talk myself into is I'm just looking at some of the common results against uh, or results against the same team. So they beat Utah 42, 18, like they kicked their ass last week. Utah was without yeah. some guys, but that's still a very impressive game. Um, beat UCLA 27, 10, we beat UCLA 17, seven. So like there is a, like we both beat UCLA by double digits. Uh, they we call they beat Colorado by three points on the road. We lost to Colorado. Jeez. We lost to Colorado at home by three points. So it would take a lot for ASU to win this game. Like, let's be very clear. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, there is a chance. You know, on on ESPN, the uh, 
uh, what's it called? Like the stupid win prediction. matchup. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. click on it. Um, Let's see. I got it too. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up. Um, One thirty kick too. Uh, you I got, love that. Yeah, that's cool. It's given uh, us a fifteen point seven percent chance to win, according to ESPN Analytics. That feels about right. That feels about right. It's definitely like within the realm of possibility, but there's a reason we're a ten point underdog. You know. Yeah, I I thought when I saw again when I saw ten points, I was like, that's a little generous. Um, but again, we've seen crazy things happen in these rivalry games. We've seen uh, U of A win without throwing a pass in the second half. Oh God! Oh <laughs> my seen, gosh! We've seen seventy to seven. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count anything out. The odds movement is very interesting. That's two points is is pretty significant there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I honestly the spread I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I would almost lean under in this game if you're if you're a gambler and you're looking for an angle. Um, I would almost lean under in this game, and that would be the play. Um, I wouldn't be shocked either way if if ASU somehow pulled this off. It's like that's what this rivalry is. I don't think they will, but I don't know. Ten and a half points, little rich for my blood in this one, but uh, we'll see what happens, man. It'll it's. Hopefully it's not a blowout. I guess that's all we can ask for. Right. There's two kind of points that aren't necessarily even related about U of A that I want to bring up in this game. Um, every time ASU has been blown out three times this season, mm-hmm. blown out by Fresno State, blown out by Utah, and then just blown out by Oregon. They responded very well after the their previous two blowouts, right? They After Fresno State, they played a legitimately close game against USC – um, and they very much responded after that game. Right. Uh, after getting blown up by Utah, they went on the road and beat UCLA. Responded to that game. Seven points. So let's see it how this team, this is the last game of the year. Seven. This is the last college game for a good chunk of the players on this team. They're going to leave it all out there, you know. And Dillingham, yeah. I, I, I bet Dillingham probably saved a few plays that he wasn't going to use against Oregon because he, he Dillingham absolutely knew we were going to get lose, but to, to Oregon, like, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm hoping for some of that. And the other thing is you mentioned Scatabo throwing the ball, at least by now, he's had a few, he's had a few games. Yeah, he's had like three straight games of in-game reps, you know? Right. And so U of A will be expecting it, but it's still like, I trust him to throw the ball a little bit more after, like, he's done it a few times, you know? So, yeah. and, dude, I will say this being at that game and, and watching him throw some passes, I was kind of shocked at how far he's able to, to get the ball. He's like, I almost would want him, I think he would bring more to the offense as the full time quarterback than somebody like Conover would. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, crazy to say. Like you can do no, more. Absolutely, you can run the the gadget sets. You can do all of that stuff, and obviously with like accuracy stuff, that's completely different. But I don't know. I think he gives you a different element if you're able to to run him out there at quarterback. You know, on a more consistent basis, or maybe Rashada runs out of the tunnel, and we're not even we get right. our starting quarterback, uh, which would be awesome. But can't hold your breath. Um, I, I love the point that you made, and this is kind of what I was thinking too, and I was talking about how 
Brian Ward has responded to the worst showings by his defense this season. And after, you know, giving up 29 points to Fresno State, you held USC under 50. I mean, we'd under, we'd later see that this was a, a terrible season for USC. Yeah, um, but at, at that often, point in the year, they were still, like, right. motivated. And, yeah. They were a juggernaut still, and you held them under 50 points. Then you have the 55-3 to Utah. You come back, you hold UCLA to seven. Not a great offensive team, but still – you know, a lot of good that that goal line span from the one early in the game where they held UCLA out of the end zone for four plays. Like, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot to like about what we might see from this defense and what precedent has told us about uh, Brian Ward's ability to respond. I think the 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 scary proposition here is is what is ASU going to look like offensively, right? <laughs> what yeah, are we gonna no, it's true. Here? So. Again, I I don't know. I I think you know you got to play. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, man. I'm probably gonna end up picking ASU just because it's it's our it's our last game, and I'm not gonna pick against them. And on all right, let's the last score one. predictions for this game. Let's do it. Okay, uh, I think it's gonna be weird. I do think it stays under. I think a lot of wild stuff is gonna happen. Um, if the under is set at fifty and a half. Uh, I'm saying ASU wins 24 to 20. U of A is going to have US U of A is going to have a shot to win at the end. And we're going to make some sort of defensive stand. There we go. That's what happens. Well, Colton, I wish I could agree with you. I got U of A winning 27 to 21. (laughs) You're probably, you're probably going to be right. Yeah. uh, Both stay under though. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I guess. Yeah, we're, we're aligned there. That's good. Um, but yeah, man, I it's just a crazy rivalry. I wouldn't be shocked. That's true with either outcome. Um, but I, you know, I gotta, I gotta go big or go home on our last prediction of the the season. Hey, I I hope you're right, my friend. Uh, all right. Well, that's some good football talk right there. Uh, let's touch in on some of the other sports real quick. Um. So volleyball today, it says on the 22nd, uh, they fell to Wazoo uh, in five sets on the road at number 18, wa- or the, at number 11, Wazoo. ASU volleyball is still uh, number 18 in the country and 25 and six overall. So they're having a fantastic season. They're at Arizona on Saturday as well. So that should be another interesting uh, territorial cup matchup. I just want to keep highlighting volleyball. Just said, it's just such a great season they're having. Um, and yeah, so just wanted to shout them out. Um, I mean, they're going to be in the tournament. They're ranked, you know, they're having a good year and hopefully they can close it out with the win at U of A. ASU hockey has moved up to number 13 in the uh, – where is it? Okay, I'm looking for the graphic on their Twitter. Has moved up to number 13 in the USCHO rankings. They host number nine Providence for a two-game uh, two game set this weekend. That's going to be awesome. I mean, the fact that you have like a top – it's like a top 15 matchup against – like Providence is a school that people know, at least from like following basketball and stuff. Like, so 
I, I, don't know. I, I just need to get to a hockey game this year because they're playing a fun style of hockey and scoring points, winning games. Uh, they swept Alaska Anchorage over the weekend. So it's just, it's just good to see. It's, it's kind of good to see like things coming together for ASU hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I covered that team <clears throat> in their first season as a D1 program. So, so to see them go from that to, to what they are now, it, it kind of seemed like, you know, it, it happened a little later than maybe people thought it might, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's finally happening, and they're finally putting a, a solid product out there. I'm really happy for for Greg Powers. He's a, he's a great dude. Um, so that's – it's awesome what they're what they're able to do and and uh, shout out to the voice of ASU hockey uh, Tyler Paley as well. Right, class of twenty eighteen, baby. All right, ASU men's basketball is back on the court tomorrow in Las Vegas against the BYU Cougars. What Storm is the Mormons. the Storm and Mormons in the Vegas showdown? Uh, you know BYU will not be hungover for this game, so no, no, you'll have to be ready. Oh, they will not dumb. be doing much partying after either. No, um, BYU's four and zero, and ASU is two and one thanks to uh, barely beating UMass Lowell last week. Which yeah, that was that was crazy. I mean. UMass Lowell's a good team. Like, yeah, they, they beat Georgia Tech on the road. Or I don't know right. if it was on the road, but they beat him. Right. And, oh. you know, you look at some of these teams, and it's easy to overlook, like, schools you don't really recognize. They're schools that you're like, oh, who, who are they, right? You know, but um, in college basketball, there's wins are tough. <clears throat> wins yeah. are tough. So when you get them, and when you get them against quality opponents like, like UMass Lowell, um, you got to be happy with it. And when you come back the way that you did, right, yeah. like I think we see – I feel like we see a win like that from a Bobby Hurley team every year. Like there's one win where they're like dead to rights and they somehow pull it out. And there's also games like the Mississippi State game. There's That's just the, the Bobby yeah. Hurley experience. Um, but 2-1, and one, BYU's 4-0. This would be a big win. I don't I don't know what we'll, what we'll see. Um, it's, you know, game in Vegas on Thanksgiving, I guess. So 35% chance to win based on the, the analytics yeah. of ESPN. But, man, we'll see what happens. I, I think this team's just figuring it out. Um, that's kind of what we have to get used to in the, the early yeah. era is you're not going to see a lot of early signs or you're going to – there's going to – let me rephrase. There's going to be a – some like something left to be desired when you're watching this team in in November and December, right? But usually by the time you hit February or March, they're they're in the conversation to to yep. make the team, which is like that's all we can really ask for as as uh, ASU basketball fans. So absolutely, I mean, just keep winning games. I don't care how it happens. Um, yeah, just totally. Win. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's I agree with that and. BYU is definitely like they're deserved to be favorite. They uh, they beat San Diego State earlier this year, and they've been blowing out the. Uh, it's a lot of you know FCS type teams. They beat uh, Houston Christian by a lot, Morgan State by a lot, Southeast Louisiana by a lot. What I'm looking for for ASU is you need to have a great defensive effort in this game, which right. 
They like honestly, I think they did that in good part against Mississippi State. Uh, th- that one guy from Mississippi State just got super hot from three, and that kind of was too big of a hole to climb out of. But uh, this is if you're Hurley, like this is you need to use this opportunity to like get back on track after the Mississippi State game, if that makes sense, you know, because that was that was an ugly ass loss. Like it just was. And I haven't checked on Mississippi State after that, but this is an opportunity to kind of build some confidence. You know, you've been playing Texas Southern and UMass Lowell. Uh, You know, this will be on ESPN, too. I was going to say it's going to be in front of like a big audience but it starts at you know at 9 p.m mountain time and it's on espn too so that's not the case but right. uh, <laughs> it's it's an opportunity to like knock off an undefeated team and like asu was probably athletic enough to hang in this game you know it's just yeah are they no, how phillips. are they going to do offensively right right sean phillips will be out for this game though that we'll see how that affects them they're yeah uh he's their leading rebounder so what kind of impact might that have we'll see um but yeah definitely a a solid uh litmus test against an undefeated team Um, a team that will be your conference rival next year too right this will be a conference game in one year so and if they do lose like don't look just so offensively inept like you did against Mississippi State, you know? Right, that was tough, that to, was watch, tough to watch, man. Like <laughs> That was brutal. At least this time, no one will be yelling at them about their bets, or if they are, they're doing it from the stands. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it's really funny that uh, ASU won the race to 10 in that game. That yeah, was, I know. They didn't that was all the- that was discussed on the, on the broadcast. They didn't win the race to anything else, but... Yeah, um, I, I don't know, like... I think watching that stuff is kind of fun. I like when they talk about the game. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was cool. Well, I didn't mind it either. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens tomorrow. It's a, it's a good BYU team, so we'll see. Yeah, totally, totally. They should have they, – they should be very prepared to play in this game. So that's good. I uh, can't really – I think, think we covered everything for this one. So – yeah, I don't uh, know if there's much else. Yeah, well, have a happy, have a happy Thanksgiving, Mister uh, Cameraless Colton, and yeah, I'll work on my uh, my technical issues. I'll try to iron those out. Maybe uh maybe some turkey will help. Uh, as yeah. always, please like turkey and subscribe. Sucks, by the way, sorry, turkey sucks. By the way, not a turkey fan. Okay, no turkey. The food on Thanksgiving is not great. Um, I asked my mom to bring mac and cheese this year because I was like, I, we don't usually have mac and cheese, but I need a change up, man. I can't go. Mashed potatoes are fine, but like, yeah, turkey stuffing mashed potato. I'm like, I need some. I need a staple in the mix that can I can just like lean on. You know what I'm saying? I feel like mac and cheese isn't mac and cheese kind of a Thanksgiving food now. I think so. I've heard it more than I yeah. more recently than I ever had. I think this is like our first year having it. So okay, yeah, maybe first or second. I don't know. Um, but either way, man, it's it's good to have a, a tried and true elite food that I can lean on tomorrow. Yeah, no, I'm just chilling by myself in the apartment for Thanksgiving, and I'm I'm just gonna cook up some little uh, steak bites that I got from Safeway. So I'm excited. About that. Go, man. It's got some bites. mac and cheese, mashed potatoes and other, uh, substances that I'll be enjoying. So there you go, Mark. Stuff. I know you're a big other substances guy. 
<laughs> who is it? Who is it at this day yeah. and age? All right. Well, with that, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone watching. Um, please like and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And as always, go Devils.